The Will Cain Show podcast is presented by Eno, the Capital One Assistant. What's in your wallet? Okay, I started my day today. You wake up and you go, all right, what's the big thing? What's going on? And then I had this Russell Wilson thing who was awesome last night. Eagles peaking at the wrong time, get too hot too early perhaps. Um, No issue whatsoever with that Eagles loss out there, but Seattle, one of those teams is just so hard to quit. Will Kane, Russillo Show at CSPN Radio. There was a Russell Wilson black and white candid, sort of not candid maybe, video of him entering a restaurant after the win, slow motion, dramatic, the whole deal, but... He balled out. But that's not where I'm starting. Okay. You're not starting there. I'm not starting there. I'm not starting with Eli Manning. Okay. Who now what's going to go happen? Like Ben McAdoo's out. Jerry Reese out. They were fired moments ago. We'll have more on that. Ryan Clark a little bit later. But we're not starting there either. We're not starting there either. I'll talk to you guys in 10 minutes. <laughs> okay. Here's the deal. I've been here again almost 12 years. I have been in this slot for eight and a half I have talked to the college football playoff chair every year for every ranking for four years, Jeff Long and Kirby Hokut. I have told you, or I've tried to tell you, college football fan base and other members of the college football media, that the number one goal of the committee chair is to never be locked into any criteria. So when you ask them, hey, how close are these teams? They go, oh, they're pretty close, right? They're pretty close. Because if he says, well, six, seven are good, but after seven there's a massive gap, that means follow-up, follow-up, follow-up. Hey, what do you think of this conference? Well, Rye, we don't worry about conferences. We don't separate the conferences. We look at the teams individually. You want to know why? Because they want to avoid, well, wait a minute, who's your best conference? Who's your second best conference? Who's your worst conference? Which conference does the committee think is the worst? They tell us the criteria, but they tell us the criteria, meaning conference championships, only matter when they see the teams close. We don't know what close means, and that's okay. That is all by design to avoid our annoying you-know-whats for asking all of these follow-up questions and holding the committee to some kind of standard that we think is consistent every single year. Every year is different. So if you're an Alabama fan, you got in, and you're happy about it. Obviously, I understand if you're an Ohio State fan, you're bummed out. But you know what? Alabama was the right call. Alabama, I believe, is the better team. If somebody else wants to argue with me that Ohio State is a superior team, that's an argument I'm willing to have. I don't think it's ridiculous, but I think the committee got it right. But to then suggest that this committee is full of <laughs> like evil people lying to the public, where are these other outcomes that could happen that would be more truthful, like you're insane. This whole thing is crazy, okay? I am coming to you as the guy that is not biased. I went to Vermont, okay? Vermont. We don't have football. I'm from New England, okay? I've rooted for Texas because of Colt McCoy. I've rooted for Oregon because of Chip and Helfrich. And, yes, I have fun at LSU. That's it. I don't have a dog. Like, I wish I were a good enough athlete to play at any of these schools. So when I see Joey Galloway, who was a burner in college, and I go, man, that must have been sick. But when I'm driving around in the car and I hear our Sports Center update anchor toss a sound that says the college football rankings are coming out very shortly, and Joey Galloway says the Buckeyes are a lock, <laughs> I go, I roll, all right? Last year when we were doing, is it Penn State? Is it Washington? Is it Ohio State? Desmond Howard, man, are you kidding? The pose, it's sick. He picked Michigan, okay? And I sat next to Danny, who was afraid to pick against Florida State because he didn't want to deal with FSU Twitter. So I'm telling you, as the guy that's talked to the committee chair every week during the rankings for four years 
that I understand it better than others, and I have no bias, and that I think they got it right with the fourth team in Alabama. When I listen to other people talk that have a background with a team, whether it's Joey with the Buckeyes, Dez with the Wolverines, I think there are times where Booger actually trashes LSU to try to make it sound like he's not being pro-SEC. I sat next to Danny, who I think is maybe the most biased because he's so anti-SEC, the most biased voice in college football, who is just going to call the committee liars because he didn't get what he wanted. He wanted to make fun of Bama and troll them on Twitter all night long. And then he calls them liars. Joe Klatt, who I love on the broadcast, I thought was going to start doing a Bama sucks chant with Urban Meyer as they presented him the trophy. Here's the deal. I understand the schedule. I understand the disappointment Alabama schedule. But the Iowa loss is tough to get by. And if everyone in that committee said, you know what, the Iowa loss is too much, I don't know how you argue with them there. Can we get research on two and one? You know what I mean? I can do strength to schedule. I can do strength to record. I can do all of that stuff with you all day long. Ohio State fans, I already know what your argument is going to be. But last year, I doubt you were rooting for the two-loss Penn State Conference champion over your own squad because that's what you're doing right now. All I'm telling you is listen to me more often because (laughs) I'm the one that's telling you the truth when everybody else has some weird anti-deal, whether it's a Fox guy that paid in the Pac- and played in the Pac-12 that hates us, hates ESPN, called us co-conspirators two years ago with the entire committee, and I'm like, I'm the one not lying to you. I want this this outcome on Sunday. Will this outcome was good for the anti-conspiracy people? The conspiracy was putting Ohio State in politically to. Get a better brand in, perhaps, ratings-wise, to balance it out more geographically, to not say that Jim Delaney's in charge of this whole thing because he's a commissioner with more juice. This is the outcome you should be rooting for. What you got yesterday was bravery. That's something you should be thrilled that the committee's not going to go, you know, let's not leave out a powerful conference. They left out the team that had two losses, and they kept in the team they thought was better. It's really simple. It's not that hard. I think just an extended extended applause. Hold on. <laughs> now, man, I think it was really good, and I think in the end, the passion, the analysis, the line that carries the day is: Can we get research on two versus one? Because it's two losses versus one, and the most important aspect is it's what one of those losses were. It is four letters. It's I O W A. It was Iowa. Today, we're having com- uh, conversations about whether or not it's appropriate or smart or strategic to schedule big non-conference games. Whether or not Ohio State would have been better off scheduling Mercer instead of Oklahoma. Well, Oklahoma wasn't Ohio State's problem. Iowa was. I believe that a one-loss Ohio State with that loss to Iowa still loses the debate to one-loss Alabama. I believe that would still be the case because you can't lose by 31 and give up 55 to a team like Iowa. They would still be losing the debate. Last year, Ohio State benefited from the same exact scenario, from having that strong non-conference win against Oklahoma. To your point just a minute ago, everything that worked for Ohio State last year worked against them this year. They can't have it both ways. And truthfully, I think most Ohio State fans get it. I don't think many Ohio State fans are that, yeah, they're disappointed, but they're not looking for conspiracies. It's the media that's talking about conspiracies. It's way more the media. And I can always figure out exactly who everybody is going to. Like, I know exactly what Cannell's going to say. He's mad that Mississippi State is still ranked because he thinks it helps Alabama. And he went as far as when Nick Fitzgerald breaks his leg in half in the second quarter of the Ole Miss-Mississippi State game and Mississippi State takes the L. He tweets out, see, told you Mississippi State wasn't any good. You're like, dude, 
you're searching for a conclusion and you don't care about the path there. Feinbaum roots for all of you to be miserable and take phone calls on it. Levitard votes, he roots for the dumbest outcome of all of it to laugh at everyone. And I, I actually admire him for that. I almost wish I didn't take this so seriously, but there's so many good, strong voices in the media calling the committee a bunch of liars today when I'm going, how have you not figured out what their game plan is based on what they say publicly to us for four years versus what they do? They sat there behind closed doors. They looked at those two teams. They thought Bama was better than Ohio State, and it's pretty simple. It's that simple. I think they also the point that's interesting that you're making is this. They didn't take the political route. Everyone thought. That's what they would do. Between Saturday night and Sunday morning, every analyst predicted it to be Ohio State over Alabama because they expected the committee to be political. And now the conspiracy is what? That they were not political. It's that they weren't doing what they should for the Big Ten or for Ohio State. That's a pretty uh, odd thing to say. The conspiracy is you weren't political. Or you just all happened to be wrong within a 24-hour period. Think about that selection show yesterday, okay? It was hosted by Reese Davis. Jesse Palmer said, I think Ohio State's better. I've watched him on film. Okay. That's an argument I'm willing to take because I know Jesse puts in the time. Galloway's like, I'm picking Ohio State. And I go, okay, I have a harder time buying that that you're doing anything other than you went there. But if you're telling me you think they're better, then I have to accept that. Herb Street says, I think Bama's the better team, but I believe the committee will take Ohio State because, well, it's Ohio State, and they don't want to leave out two programs, and they don't want to take two from the SEC. They don't want to do any of these things. And he jumped out of his chair when it ended up being Alabama. I know the rest of the country has Bama fatigue, SEC fatigue, and in a year where the conference top to bottom is down compared to other years, I understand your frustration with it. But what the committee did yesterday, everyone around the country that's a college football fan should be thrilled that they just sat down and go, we think these are the four best. And it's really hard to argue against those four teams. So it's simple. In 10 years, you know, this sets the precedent, at least in this spot. And every year can be different that they're not just going to go, well, you know, it's 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 this team, that team. I don't know. Bama's got the, the, you know. Bama in a lesser you think if Bama had a second loss, they would have taken Bama? They wouldn't have. Rosillo Show, Will Kane, brought to you by Goodyear. Tires is hardworking college football's most blimp-worthy athletes. Goodyear, official sponsor of the college football playoff. Here's the deal. Eli Manning is now the starter again for the Giants. Reese out, McAdoo out. We're going to do that story with Will next on ESPN Radio. In life, there are talkers and there are doers. Sometimes it's not hard to tell the difference. Mike Bloomberg has spent his life getting big things done. Starting his business out of a one-room office, Mike built a company with 20,000 employees, all with good pay and quality health care. Elected mayor in the aftermath of 9-11, Mike got to work helping rebuild a shaken city, creating nearly 500,000 new jobs and expanding health care for nearly 700,000 New Yorkers. Now, there's a clear choice. Do you want a debater or a doer? Someone who can fix health care, who's done it. A guy who's unafraid of tough challenges, who has a track record creating jobs, who's taken on the NRA and won. That's Mike Bloomberg, a proven leader who can unite our country and get big things done. That's who can beat Trump. That's who we need in the White House. I'm Mike Bloomberg, candidate for president, and I approve this message. Paid for by Mike Bloomberg 2020. Here's the thing. Saving money with Geico is almost better than playing pickup basketball. Because there's always that guy who joins your game. He never passes the rock, he constantly bricks threes, and he'll completely hack you and then put his hands up and say, no foul, no foul. 
With GEICO, it's easy to switch and save on car insurance. No need to fake an ankle sprain because you're absolutely exhausted. So switch and save with GEICO. It's almost better than sports. Over the weekend, I felt in kind of the opening theme of the show about biases, I felt Mm -hmm. like it was somewhat, the origin was your Cowboys fandom being biased towards the Giants, but your... This is what you set you off? As you sat there and you thought about all these guys you wanted to take to task, the top of your mind was, and Will, and his cowboy stuff. No, you were way, <laughs> you were way, fr- I wasn't mad at you about it. I just went, huh. And huh. your theory was what? I don't know what you're talking about, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Are you Ownership, my... stability, the Giants. Yeah, well, I just, all I have to say about that is we've, we're sold this bill of goods, I think, over time that there's the, such thing as the Giants way, that the New York Giants are different than every other organization in the NFL. Well, let me let me amend that. Every other organization but those that exist in the Northeast, like the Pittsburgh Steelers, I don't know, maybe the Philadelphia Eagles, the, the organizations that do it the right way, whatever that is. And I was You're trying, not putting the Pats in that group? Well, here's the thing. Because they're so... Pats, the Pats are the black sheep of the Northeast, yeah. right? Every other franchise sort of hates the Pats, call them, calls them the cheaters. So I can't say that they get this grace that everyone else is, is given. So what is the Giants' way? That they haven't fired a GM since 1978. They never fired a head coach in season since 1976, all until today. That they're slow to fire people. Or is it they're located in the Northeast where the rest of the media is located and the vast majority of people that talk are fans of the Giants? It's a nice little piggyback to your last segment, actually. Yeah, now that now, – okay, all right. So now we're on the same page. So here's what we know. McAdoo is out. Reese is out moments ago. And this morning on SportsCenter you had Moore and Schefter essentially saying, hey, these guys are – going to be fired by the end of the day here. Um, and now Eli is going to get his job back. So that's from ESPN.com. So Eli's going to start. Geno gets to start. They lose against the Raiders yesterday. So what the hell happened here? Can we Eli's going to start this weekend against the Cowboys? Yeah. How about that? So am I, is am a I, mess, right, that's, man. That's, that's, that's all point. there is. Am I to believe then that McAdoo... Acting on his own, I know. Just, just said, hey, I'm benching Eli, folks. Deal with it. Shades down, cigarette in mouth. And then because the Giants got crushed for a week, they were like, okay, we got to get McAdoo out of here? Like that can't, is, Was he acting alone here? Oh, is this the theory you were talking about? My conspiracy theory on this? The, the, that, ben that McAdoo is the Lee Harvey Oswald of this situation. Ooh, I like this. Yeah, he was there. He had a gun. He might have fired a shot, but he wasn't alone. And we know that the Giants believe that as well because Jerry Reese is out just like Ben McAdoo. But I still think they're both fall guys. In the end, we know John Mara signed off on, on benching Eli Manning. I mean, at the very least signed off on it. Might have come from his suggestion. Now we're hearing from Mara that he doesn't like how McAdoo executed the benching. I don't know. I don't know how you executed that benching in a better way. Like, what was the idea that you could have done, Ben McAdoo, that you didn't do? McAdoo goes to Eli and says, you, you know, we'd love for you to start against the Raiders, but we're going to bring Geno in the second half, and that's the ultimate mishandling of the situation? I don't see how that's better or worse than just saying you're benched, Eli. The point is this. The fault goes all the way to the top with John Mara. It's not just these two. Can I, can I do a guess here then, maybe? And this could be wrong. Will Kane, Rosillo Show, it's ESPN Radio. So, is there any chance that they all agreed on it? Okay? There's no way McAdoo just goes, hey, Jerry, to Jerry Reese, the GM, who, again, fired today as well. I, I want to bench Eli. 
Well, I don't, but go ahead. You're, you're McAdoo. You can do whatever you want. And then ownership goes, what's he doing? He's benching Eli? 10 straight games? One of the most important people in the history of the franchise? We're benching him for, for Geno Smith? Well, we don't want to do it. But go ahead. You're the head coach. Like That's hard for me to believe. Is it possible that McAdoo goes, I like to bench him. Reese is like, yeah, we can bench him. He hasn't been playing well. Ownership goes, okay, this is why you guys are coach and GM. You insulate us, ownership, from this. We can say we don't like the way it's handled. And that they got so much negative press over the course of a week that ownership goes, you know what, these guys, we were moving on from Reese. Our record stinks. And now we'll just fire these guys and put Eli back. Like, is this more about the PR reaction and the PR correction than any football decision? Yes, which means it's not just on Ben McAdoo or Jerry Reese. There's a very good argument and and perhaps a probability that Ben McAdoo wasn't going to survive with or without the Eli benching, that he had lost his team to such a degree. He had lost, I don't know, half of his defensive backfield. He went from 11-5 to 2-10 by essentially losing his team over the season, and he couldn't survive that. You could also argue that Jerry Reese was done because – he gave McAdoo these pieces. He had the weak offensive line. He invested in skill positions and not protecting his quarterback. I should amend that. He tried to find pieces to protect Eli. He just failed over and over through the draft and free agency. He just failed over and over. I think he drafted him good weapons. But the timing of this is all post-Eli. And that doesn't end, and I think you just laid it out why, that doesn't end with McAdoo or Reese. There's no way ownership let that go down the way you just mockingly laid it out. No way. This is really a weird story. This is different than just bad record, bench a QB, fire the coach, fire the GM. It's all started when he changed his hairdo, if you think about it. What was he doing? That hurt him in the long run. Hey, you we're joking around a little bit, but his how much does Ben McAdoo's appearance have to do with the fact he's given zero leeway. No slack has been cut for Ben McAdoo. It's just so weird. Whenever you have a buddy who in his 30s totally changes his look. Like, I get it in college. High school, it's almost just normal because you're just trying to figure out who you are. Maybe in your 20s, you move somewhere else. But McAdoo's got to be, what, north of 40 now? He is 40. Right. So how many buddies do you have at 40? You go, whoa. Midlife crisis. We doing the Pat Riley sunglasses indoors deal? Like you were rocking, you were rocking the Al Bundy, and you were eleven and five. Yeah, and now you're head of security, and you're two and ten. Yeah, what are you doing, are you Miami Vice extra? And the other way to look at it is, poor dude can't win. Goes eleven and five and gets mocked relentlessly for his big suit, dumb and dumber haircut. Yeah, and that switches it up Chalmers to kind of look a little more authoritative. Yeah, loses the team. Straight Talk Wireless, nationwide coverage on America's largest and most dependable 4G LTE networks. Ryan Clark on the Eli Saga, and we'll probably do a little college ball with him as well. It's next on ESPN Radio. I've got that electricity charge inside, energy like the lightning strike. Take one spark and I will ignite, never stopping, I won't stand by. Now that Human Resources Director Ryan Lee has Kronos for HR, payroll, talent, and time, he's really on top of his game. He even has his own hype song. I'm the best beyond belief. I got strength and got the speed. Entire workforce, complete with different hours, skill sets, and pay grades. No, nobody catching up. 
Then I'm fast or strong enough. I got that electricity charging inside. Take one spark and I'm attracting and engaging the best people every step of the way. Never stopping, I won't stand by. Kronos, HR solutions for the modern workforce and the people who support them. Learn more at Kronos.com slash HR Swagger. Never stopping, I won't stand by. Back to the college football playoff selection stuff. Jerry Reese and Ben McAdoo out as the front office and coach of the New York Giants. Eli is going to start. We're going to have Michael Kay from our New York City ESPN affiliate uh, joining us next hour. So that's cool. we got Will Kane, Ryan Clark now on the Rosilla Show, giving you Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Best phones, best networks, no contracts. Will and I just tried to do kind of like an on-air, what the hell's going on with the Giants? What's your best guess to how this all thing this went down? <laughs> Listen, uh, Ben McAdoo has been trending this way since he took the job. Even though this team went to the playoffs last year, dude's been throwing players under the bus since they put a microphone in his face. He's lost total organizational control. And so you saw this coming. For me, the weird part is it's after a week where you bench Eli Manning and now he starts again. It just continues with the dysfunction of this organization because I'm not going to believe that that was just Ben McAdoo's decision. When you make a decision like that with the Eli Manning, that comes from the top. So Jerry Reese was involved, who's fired now. I believe the owners of the team were involved as well. And so now, instead of moving forward and saying, you know what, Eli's been benched. The dirty work is done. Now we can fire Ben McAdoo and Jerry Reese as the patsies that they are, the scapegoats of doing that to Eli, and move forward with our organization finding out who we're going to have in Davis Webb. Can he be our quarterback of the future? Where do we need to go from here? And now you go right back to Eli? So this to me seems like I got three out of four games at home. I want some fans to come to the game. I want to garner some goodwill in some type of way. I want to show that we are being proactive and changing what's going on, not to win football games or not to get our organization back to the stability it's had for the last 40 years. But just to put on a good media front, because the guy that stood in front of the camera for the last year and a half for us is absolutely awful. He's not credible. He's not trustworthy. He has no positive characteristics of a head coach. Not one. He had a good haircut for it this year. No. Only you guys if you're Pat Riley. That, Only works if you No, I wouldn't laugh. Only works if you're Riley. Yeah. Only works if you're Pat Riley. You know what was sold out in this entire process was their rationale. All the reasons they gave us in the past week for benching Eli Manning, I guess, were lies or Absolutely. things that John Mara didn't really sign up for. We're not evaluating Davis Webb now? We're no. not evaluating Geno Smith? Obviously, you're not, what evalu- are we doing? You're not evaluating Davis Webb because Geno Smith starts. And, and we know who that guy is. No offense to Geno Smith. I know he was mad at Rex Ryan for some comments that he made, but Rex Ryan knows him. Rex Ryan has watched him work. He doesn't feel like he's a starting quarterback in his league. Well, Gino doesn't ever seem sensitive, so I'm surprised. Yeah, I know. Which many people thought also because he was a backup until last week. And so when you come out and say the things that you said about the reasons you were moving on from Eli, and then now you fire the GM, you fire the head coach, and you bring Eli back, it shows that you had no plan. And the one thing that we have at least thought about from the outside, perception-wise, of the New York Giants is that they had a plan, that they understood how to run an organization. And right now, they do not. Let me ask you this from the player perspective, the Eli side of this equation. I know at the age of 42, like 
one of the things I deal poorly with is regression. Mm-hmm. I don't mind if you make mistakes. I don't mind if things go poorly. But I have a hard time like turning around on the road after we've made a wrong turn. I don't want to go backwards and circle back around. I want to fight through the wrong decision until we get back on track. <laughs> regression is really hard for me. Like, they broke up with Eli. He didn't just break yeah. up by benching him. They said, we're moving on to a post-Eli future, mm-hmm. right? We're going to be drafting and or evaluating these young quarterbacks we have right now. How, as Eli, do you now take them back? Like, emotionally, you know he's a pro and he'll do it. But emotionally, how does he go, okay, I'm going to saddle back up as the starter here again? I think if, you, <clears throat> excuse me, if you've watched Eli, he, he handles his emotions really well. Uh, he was kind of broken up in the, the interview after the benching. Uh, but he does a, a very good job of saying the right things and basically doing the right things. He's gained more respect for me in the way that he handled this situation than watching him play football since 04. But I think if you're Eli Manning, you just want to go back out and play football. Hmm. Eli Manning says he is going to play next year. He doesn't know where it's going to be, but he is going to play. So if it is your if it is your plan, if it is your goal to be on a team next year, you go back out and play. You don't play for the New York Giants. And I think too that's the misconception of football players. Right? Like I loved playing for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I loved Mr. Rooney. I believe he's uh one of the greatest owners in the history of football. But I never necessarily played for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, I played for Troy Polamalu. I played for Brett Kiesel. I played for Ike Taylor and those guys. But it wasn't necessarily the the emblem on the helmet or the the names on the stadium. And I think Eli is going to go out in the same way that he showed up for 210 games previous to this. He'll show up for this game because it's more than just about the name on your jersey. Ryan Clark in studio, the Rosillo Show, Will Kane, ESPN Radio. What did you think of the Gronk hit on Tredavious White? Oh, total Bush League. I thought it was. I thought it was. I thought it was awful. It was cheap. Did you talk it was, to Trey? It, it was dirty. I have. Right. I have. He said, guy. yeah, he said, he said the whole hood want him. You know what I mean? The whole hood want Grunt, for sure. I mean, that's the exact text. The whole hood want him. E.M. <laughs> what exactly um, could you translate that? Uh, that they won't put them hands on him. They're going to play nah, again, nah, right? And this, this is the thing. This is, so this is the thing. I text him. I thought they should have jumped him. Like, that was my initial thought, that his teammates should have came to his defense. And obviously you can't just throw hands. Well, they do throw hands now in the league, and you can't just do that. But in some way, his teammates should have let Gronkowski know how dirty and how out of bounds that play that play was. So I was kind of disappointed in that. Um, but that's outside the realm of football. As much as Crabtree and Tlaib and chain pulling is outside the realm of football, that plays as well. When When you hit the stutter step joint, Right, so as he's when you when you yeah. gather your feet like you about to dunk from the free throw line and form a dude WWE style to the head, you're dead wrong. And the thing that bothered me the most about it, you know, where we watch the games here on mm-hmm. Sunday, you know, in the cafeteria, and people are laughing. Right, and the same thing that allows Gronk, though never illegal behavior, never any not saying these things, the same thing that allows him the 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 big jolly frat guy. Uh, persona that he portrays that allows him to do some of the things he does in the offseason that are non-patriot-like that we laugh at is the same thing that now people are going to use to not vilify him or to not uh, judge him in the way that he should be judged for such a terrible decision that puts somebody else's career and livelihood in jeopardy. The only thing I disagree with that is I think he is getting killed. And even by his head coach. I mean, 
Belichick at the end of the game calls it BS. Yeah, he called it BS. I don't have a problem with the off the field stuff as long as he's not putting no, the team in jeopardy. I have absolutely no problem. He with has it. to be suspended. I mean, right. There's no. And I, I bring up the off season stuff and because I've had conversations about other people whose whose off the field antics are much less than his, who are vilified in different ways. Who? Pick any of them. Pick Cam. Right for Cam for talking and and saying certain things is treated in a way that Gronk would never be treated. Well, I think the Cam one though is still based around how he handles himself, like through the course of the game. Right. No, listen. So, I, and obviously, I think the quarterback thing comes down to it. Uh, I, you know, Cam I thought got destroyed because of the way he carried himself after losing the football no. game in a Super Bowl. And in, in in that situation, I'm just trying to think of the other no, off no, the field that stuff situ- that I wouldn't in, know. In that in that situation, yes, I'm talking about the Odell off stuff the field, going down on a boat, like off the field behavior. I didn't have a problem with the boat, yeah. Well, yeah, I didn't have a problem with the boat either. And if Gronkowski was on the boat, none of us would have had a problem with it. I try to stay consistent with that though. Like, I, if if Gronk's going to do wrestling moves on stage at Vegas and they win, and he's still one of the best tight ends we've ever seen, no, I'm. And I have Odell, I have no issue with any of them. Right. With with any you of those things. With any, with any of with, with any of those things that don't affect football, that don't involve people doing illegal things, I have no issue with what you do off the field as long as you work hard. And that was always my thing with Gronk as well. I was like, look, he still plays ball. Yeah, but you're right. This is different. But, this but, but it's 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 read differently because of the way he carries himself, especially even in a patriot manner. And you kind of put me on the spot in thinking about other things I've defended. I can be honest. I don't necessarily remember when bringing it up, so that's my fault. Uh, for bringing it up and not really having a solid answer, but I'd heard for of Vontez, like I heard a Vontez perfect comparison earlier today from somebody else. I go, do you really think that Gronk's history on the field of acts like this are even close to what Vontez perfect has been? I would suggest no. no, but I still think Gronk should be suspended because this is vicious. Right? No, no, and I, I, and I, and I totally agree with that. You, he has, he doesn't have a history of this. He actually said it. He's a guy who plays in between the whistle, which is why it's so frustrating for me to see this situation because I know he just clicked out. Yeah, he clicked he out, just, and, and he right. clicked out, and once he clicked out, he couldn't control himself from doing what he's doing, and I think that is the issue. I think it should be seen as the same as throwing punches, the same as pulling chains and doing different things like that. Agreed. All right, coming up next with Will Kane, reminding you can listen to all three hours of the show on your phone and your ESPN app. Will's weekend environ, uh he had fireball, and now he's self-banning, I think, and a pull-up ball. I never said that. Oh, all right, even better. <laughs> so the story's going to be even better. We'll get back to the college football playoff. Top of next hour, Eli, back in as a starter. Thanks to Ryan Clark, ESPN Radio. Here's the thing. Saving money with Geico is almost better than playing pickup basketball because there's always that guy who joins your game. He never passes the rock, he constantly bricks threes, and he'll completely hack you and then put his hands up and say, no foul, no foul. With GEICO, it's easy to switch and save on car insurance. No need to fake an ankle sprain because you're absolutely exhausted. So switch and save with GEICO. It's almost better than sports. Maybe we should take some calls on it, too. Take a couple calls on it. I don't know. Isn't that dangerous? Which way do you think it'll go? think a bunch of Ohio State fans are going to call in and... I'm telling you, man, I've got even even as I look at Twitter, which I try not to during the show, there's Ohio State fans saying to us, yeah, we're not delusional. We didn't wake up thinking it should have been ours. No, and the way that game played out, Will Kane, the Rosillo Show on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance last year, over 3 million drivers switched to Progressive. Call or click today and find out how you could save. Saturday night needed to go a different way if you had a better chance at that table. 
you know, and it needed to be a little bit like two years ago where Wisconsin just got blasted by Cardell Jones. And when I watched Wisconsin and Ohio State, I went, eh. you know, honestly, Wisconsin's gifted left to be nice 10 points early. You could argue more later. Hornybrook had, what, one, maybe two good drives the entire night, and then JT still struggles at times. So I, that was not that was not the game to do the recency bias of 40 to nothing against what was perceived to be a top-five team in Wisconsin, which, you know, there's a reason why I think the committee hesitated on them, and it looks like they kind of should have. I'll tell you what, we're going to come back to this in the next hour. I have some hypotheticals I want to ask you, that if we change a game here or a game there, do you really think it would have played out a different Perfect. way? Okay, all right. But I want to hear more about your big city will, big lights, bright city, right? <laughs> yeah, something like that. Big city, bright lights, I don't know, whatever. Because you were you the way you're telling this story, I thought you were in Atlanta. <laughs> this is what I love about New York City. On my weekend? Yeah. I get a text from a couple buddies on Saturday. Actually, it was just one buddy, and he's like, hey, meet me up to Midtown, Bar Midtown, Georgia-Auburn. It's going to be a great game. Let's do this. And I'm like, be there in a few. What's the wife say? Screen lights all the way. Love it. Because <laughs> um, it happens so rarely at the age of 42 where you say, you know yeah. what? I'm going to rip the top off. But here's the truth. <laughs> I didn't think I was going to be ripping the top off. I thought I was just going. A couple casual good beers. A couple beers. Watch the. SEC championship side game, of, be home in time, be back on the couch for the for the Big Ten, <laughs> flip it back and forth with the ACC. I'll be home right in time for that. It didn't go down that way, man. <laughs> <laughs> so did you come back at nine and you're cranking Aerosmith? I, go, uh, yeah, I walk into the house. Kids are asleep. I turn the stereo on. <laughs> little love in the elevator. You're dancing around. <laughs> Baby, where are you? <laughs> I was going to order some wings. Are you hungry? I know I stink. That ain't been some vomit. <laughs> No, that'll come out. <laughs> no, so, um, all right, show up. Now, Probably I told not him, Aerosmith. I, I told right. him ahead of time because I wear my allegiances on my sleeve. I said, look, I'm going to be rooting for Auburn because I'm showing up to a dude. Uh, it's like six or seven guys, and they're all going to be rooting for Georgia, which they already warned me, don't come then. <laughs> like, I'm coming. And they all had Georgia gear on. All had Georgia gear on. Long and short of it, the game goes well for them. Auburn controlled the first, not just the first series, the first series or two, both defensively and offensively. No fumble. On that, that drive where it looked like they're going up maybe 14. That was a huge fumble early. Hey, first half of first quarter, you're thinking, this is Auburn again, right? Yeah. And then just turns on a dime. And when it does, the beers start flowing. And not long after that comes out the fireball. And these guys from the South, too? Uh, no. Some of them were from the South, half from the South. And a couple other guys were from New Jersey. Just happened to be Georgia fans because they adopted it through their family here. So it was pretty odd to see these guys with these Northeast Jersey accents and Georgia gear breaking down the two deep on on Georgia's defensive line. <laughs> I can't so, do a Jersey accent, but let me tell you about this five-star recruit they got coming up. I'm like, anyway, yeah, fireball starts flying. How man. many fireballs? Honestly, that stuff's the devil's juice. I'd say by the end of it, there was probably seven or eight. Because the the knock on it always is, and, and at some point you have to go, this is not worth it. Um, people, kids will be like, well, hey, you know there's antifreeze in that. Antifreeze. Yeah, which I think may be a thing that's just an urban legend. Like, we could go like over. fiberglass in Copenhagen? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that? Everybody told you that? Hey, all the time. It'd be like, oh, you know, my buddy dips Kopi. Oh, you know, yeah, he's he's fiberglass. fiberglass and I don't even know if that's true or not, but everybody believed it for well, a certain time. So rip your lip up so you could absorb it more. So what happened to you then? Well, 
What do you mean what happened to me? It was a great it was a, it was it was rough. The Big Ten Championship game's a little bit of a blur. I, I did what my about best. the pull up bar. All right, so this bar had a pull up bar and they had a competition in the in the bar. Here's the competition. We're gonna have to come back to this, Ryan, because I want to see if you can do this. Hang for two minutes. That's it. Hang for two minutes. And let me tell you, I knew before I started that's an eternity. Did you and, try? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. What what do you win we if all you did. get it? Huh? What do you win if you like get a, it? A t shirt. <laughs> So hang you, after seven or eight fireballs, tried to hang for two minutes from a pull-up bar. Correct. All right, we need an update on how that went. Michael K. and the playoff selection. That's next on ESPN Radio.